Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of Rossafari Zoo News, which I like to call Zoos, Z-E-W-S, on Instagram and the other social media platforms, but where it makes no sense to do that on the podcast because Zoos just sounds like Zoos, and Zoos is Zoo News, but Zoos about Zoos, I, mm. see, yep, it just, it just doesn't work audibly, it's, it's a shame. But, uh, but I still like calling it Zeus. Yeah, it is going to be one of those episodes, y'all. I, I got like 10 and a half hours of sleep last night, and um, now I'm recording this just a few hours before this drops. So yeah, this is just going to be one of those goofy ones probably, and uh, I know y'all are here for it. And speaking of being here, and in case you're new and this is <laughs> news to you, uh, yeah, this is Rasafari Zoo News. I'm going to spend the next half hour or so telling you about all the latest news in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal stuff. A lot of the stories are crowdsourced, and if you see anything that you think would fit the episode, you can send it to me. Either message it to me or tag me in it on social media, at Rossafari on all the main ones, or at Rossafari Pod on TikTok, or email it to me at rossafaripod at gmail.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll not only tell you the names of the people who contributed to this episode, but uh, also can use your name in a future episode if you decide to contribute. How cool is that? The correct answer, of course, is it's pretty cool. However, before we get to the zoo news this week, I do want to mention something from the non-zoo news world. I know it goes against the whole title of the episode, but uh, too bad. So earlier this week, uh, Norm MacDonald passed away. And if you don't know who that is, Norm is an incredibly hilarious comedian. He spent multiple years on Saturday Night Live, including hosting the Weekend Update segment, you know, their own parody news. And I have to say it, Norm was my favorite comedian of all time. I just loved his approach. Uh, a lot of the stupid stuff that I say is influenced by him, although I doubt he would like any of it because he was just so much better at it than I will ever be. It turns out that Norm had been battling cancer for the last nine years and finally succumbed to the disease uh, earlier this week, and uh, I'm going to miss his insights and his jokes terribly. Norm actually had a bit that he did about cancer before his diagnosis, where he mentioned the fact that so many times people say that somebody lost their battle with cancer. But technically, the cancer dies at the same time as the person, so it's not really a loss so much as a draw. I can honestly say that I am really, really sad about the fact that Norm MacDonald had a draw with cancer this week. We're going to miss him. But all right, enough of the melancholy stuff. I just, I had to say something. I, I just love Norm so much. So uh, let's listen to an ad and then get to Zoo News. Zoo News. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. All right, and now it's time for Zoo News. Here's a song. One, two, three, four. Ow, oh, there's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's Zoo News. Yeah. Some awesome news out of the Fort Worth Zoo, where the zoo has successfully hatched its 1,000th Texas horned lizard. Now, you may remember our episode from the Fort Worth Zoo featuring Vicki Clyde, where we talked all about the Herp House at the zoo and the amazing conservation work being done there. Well, this is one of those stories. All the way back in 2011, the Fort Worth Zoo developed and perfected the breeding and husbandry protocols required to successfully breed and care for Texas horned lizards. The practices have been implemented and modeled at several zoos around the state. And then these zoos take those hatched animals and use them to rewild them back into, well, the wild, hence the term rewild. I actually did a similar story on this just a few weeks ago because they finally discovered that wild-born hatchlings had been discovered for the first time ever, which means that the previously released lizards are now reproducing. And now, on top of that, like I said, the zoo has announced that it has hatched the 1,000th horned lizard. This is amazing. What an incredible rewilding project. I am so proud of our friends at the Fort Worth Zoo. And hey, if you haven't checked that episode out yet, you should. And speaking of friends and episodes that you should check out if you're newer to the podcast, I am yet again bringing you a tale of our buddy Lou Parati at Roger Williams Park Zoo, who you heard from early in season one. Lou is the director of conservation at the zoo and uh, has also been working very hard with the American Burying Beetle reintroduction program that they do at the zoo there. Well, now some of the beetles that are raised at Roger Williams Park Zoo are heading to a rewilding project in New York State. This will be the first time that American burying beetles are found in New York State in 56 years. Lou has sent 40 of his beetles to New York to act as the founder population there. I'm so proud of Lou and his dedication to this amazing species. Not only does he work hard for them, but he also has one, you know, tattooed on his arm. If you haven't checked out his episode yet, it's really cool. And I promise you, I honestly did not intend to start this episode with two stories of former guests doing amazing zoo-based conservation work. It just happened that way when I found the stories. They were the first two that I found this week, so I usually go in order. It is amazing to me, though, that I get to interview these amazing people who are having this incredible impact on our world. 
I, I just, I'm so proud of, of everyone that I've gotten to talk to and, and bring their stories to y'all. And, um, Vicki and Lou are just two amazing people doing amazing work for species that a lot of people don't even think about. It, it, it really warms my heart. Several members of the gorilla population at Zoo Atlanta have tested positive for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. The gorillas have not yet been vaccinated with the new animal vaccine that is slowly making its way through zoo populations, but Zoo Atlanta does plan to vaccinate them after they recover from the disease. As of now, all symptoms appear to be mild, basically like a light cold in a human, some sniffling, a little bit of snotting, you know, nothing too concerning at this time. Still, this should serve as a reminder that even at places with fully vaccinated staffs and that are using PPE and other measures, there's no way to guarantee that you will not spread COVID-19. This is one reason why it is a good idea to get vaccinated, as I now tell you to do on every episode of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I know, I know, preaching to the choir, but hey, go get your vaccine if you haven't yet. Don't be like a gorilla at Atlanta, okay? And speaking of Zoo Atlanta, Dr. Haley Murphy, a veterinarian who has been the deputy director there for quite a while, will become the director and CEO for the Detroit Zoological Society, meaning that she will be the director of the Detroit Zoo. Dr. Murphy is the first woman to hold this position. Dr. Murphy is not only well-respected because of her over 30 years of experience in zoological institutions, but is also considered an incredible researcher and one of the foremost experts on gorilla heart health in the nation. As such, it is believed that once she takes over, the Detroit Zoo will put even more focus on their research studies, which is pretty incredible considering it is already considered one of the best zoos in the nation for research work. Dr. Murphy exemplifies the stuff that I love the most at zoos, all the behind-the-scenes work, research work, and cool stuff that gets done there, and I cannot wait to see what her impact on the Detroit Zoo is. And also, on a side note, if you haven't been to the Detroit Zoo, you need to go for many reasons. It's a great zoo, but mostly for the Red Panda exhibit. It's really cool, and there's a little bridge that goes over the exhibit that you can walk across and see them under you or see them up in the trees more. It's adorable. I love it there so much. And yes, I realize that has nothing to do with Dr. Murphy taking over or the fact that this is the first time that a woman has held the position uh, in the history of the zoo, but um, I also like red pandas, so yay for all of that. And yes, as I was recording that last sentence or two, I realized that a whole bunch of you were actually looking at your phone or stereo and going, what? Really? You like red pandas? Shh. The Oklahoma City Zoo has won a battle against a disease that is known for taking the lives of young elephants. Elephant endotheliotropic herpes virus, or EEHV is a disease that is found in elephants, especially young elephants, that can cause internal hemorrhaging and often leads to death. In fact, the Oklahoma City Zoo lost its first ever elephant calf to the disease back in October of 2015. You can imagine then just how terrified the keeper staff was when they found out that Kairavi, their current calf, had tested positive for the same disease. Fortunately, the care team at the zoo, as well as at other zoos, have learned a lot about the disease since then and have come up with a very aggressive treatment plan. 
The treatment includes the delivery of antivirals and also regular blood transfusions for the elephant. The blood transfusions were done using blood from other elephants in the herd as well as from other zoos that donated plasma, including the Denver Zoo. This is just further proof of why voluntary medical behaviors are so important. Blood draws from elephants without having to put them under. That's amazing. The calf also received vitamin C and E supplements, anti-inflammatory medicine, antivirals, stem cells from an elephant's umbilical cord, fluids to hydrate, and a drug to stimulate her immune system. After two weeks, Kairavi's blood cell and platelet counts rebounded, signaling that she was in recovery. But what a heck of a tough two weeks that was. Still, my favorite part of this story, well, along with the fact that Kairavi rebounded and is doing well, is just the fact that with the exception of the actual blood transfusions, all of the medical work that was done on Kairavi, as well as all of the blood draws from other elephants, was voluntary, which was accomplished through positive reinforcement training. I just love the training work that's done at zoos, and this is such an amazing example of how that has such a positive impact on these animals' lives. And speaking of amazing blood transfusions, a gorilla blood transfusion done at the Kansas City Zoo has saved one of their gorillas' lives. It is believed to be only the seventh time that a gorilla-to-gorilla blood transfusion has ever been done. When zoo staff realized that one of their gorillas, Curtis, wasn't acting like himself, they decided to look into what was wrong, and they couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. So they took him to a human hospital to have a CT scan done, as they didn't have the equipment to do it themselves. I love thinking that at any time that you're chilling at a hospital, there might just be a gorilla in some other room getting something like a CT scan done. That's just awesome to me. Anyway, the scan showed that Curtis had a large hemorrhage or a blood clot in his abdomen along with another hemorrhage in his left kidney. This was clearly life-threatening and Curtis's options were limited. Fortunately, his brother Charlie was also at the zoo and had a suitable blood type match. So, you guessed it, they performed the blood transfusion I mentioned earlier. It took around 14 hours, and Curtis received 10 full bags of blood, almost half a gallon, from his brother. Between the blood transfusion and medications used to contain the hemorrhage, the procedure was a success, and it saved Curtis's life. It's awesome to hear about all this amazing, innovative vet work being done at zoos. Unfortunately, we can't just report the positive health news at zoos on this podcast, and I am sad to announce that the... ABQ Biopark in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is struggling with a major outbreak of Shigella. Shigella is a bacteria that can cause Shigellosis, which is a very infectious illness. It takes only 10 Shigella bacterium to make an animal sick. Most infections require hundreds to thousands of bacteria to cause illness. Shigella is also incredibly hard to eradicate entirely. And as such, the biopark may be dealing with this outbreak for weeks or even months to come. Some experts say it can take over a year to fully eradicate Shigella from a facility. Animal care staff continues to use quarantine procedures and wear full PPE, including suits, booties, masks, and gloves. They've also come up with new and very specific to Shigella cleaning procedures on top of their normal stuff. 
But unfortunately, it's still not been enough, and so far, three apes have died from the disease. Here's hoping that the ABQ Biopark is able to get this outbreak under control quickly and effectively without losing any more animals. But we'll end our zoo news segment this week on a happier note. The AZA and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service have announced a federal reimbursement program for endangered species care during the pandemic. This program can be used by zoos, aquariums, botanical gardens, and other facilities across the nation that suffered significant revenue losses due to COVID-19. The funds will be given to facilities that work with endangered species and lost over 25% of their revenue due to the pandemic. While the funds will be coming directly from the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, the money will actually be distributed by the AZA. It is worth mentioning, however, that while the AZA will be overseeing the distribution and oversight of the funds, eligible facilities do not have to be AZA accredited or certified in order to receive the money. Reimbursements are capped at $1 million per facility, and reimbursable expenses can include food, veterinary care and medicine, direct animal and plant care staff time, life support systems, transport for medical, reintroduction into the wild, and captive breeding purposes, real property debt and holding space improvements and modifications, and utilities essential for the care of species such as electricity and gas. Given that 94% of AZA-accredited facilities had to close for at least some portion of time during the early part of the pandemic, this is going to be a huge deal for all of those facilities, as well as non-accredited ones that also need help. And that is a good, good thing. And now... Stereotypical Animal Podcast theme song. Here to bring you to Conservation News. We start off our conservation news with some sobering information out of Nepal. Red Panda Network has announced that there have been more red panda pelts confiscated so far this year in Nepal than the two previous years combined. This is most likely due to increases in poverty, exacerbated by the pandemic, and also misinformation that supports a fake market and demand for red panda pelts and parts. If you would like to help this situation out, you can visit redpandanetwork.org or at redpandanetwork on Instagram to learn more. And also make sure that you get to your local Red Panda Having Zoo this upcoming weekend as Saturday is International Red Panda Day. Many zoos are doing matches or other fundraising things for Red Panda Network, and this is a great time to help out this amazing organization. The University of Auckland in New Zealand has teamed with researchers in Germany to potty train a herd of cattle. Cows are known to be a driver of climate change, given that they emit a lot of harmful waste products through burping, urination, and defecation. The urination of the roughly 1.4 billion cows on Earth is said to produce 55 to 110 gallons of methane every single day, and the pee contains nitrogen, which pollutes the Earth's streams and rivers and make those waters dangerous for people to swim in or drink from and also pose a risk to wildlife. The cows in this experiment were taught to pee into a bathroom. A moo-loo, if you will. 
where the urine is able to be collected, treated, and neutralized so that it is less risky when disposed of. Researchers were actually surprised at how quickly the cows adapted to using the mulu, with the average time being around 15 sessions until the cows seemed to be completely potty trained. As of now, the concept is considered too costly and time-consuming to really have any impact on the global cattle and dairy industries. However, in some more advanced and liberal countries that are making extra laws and taking extra steps to slow down climate change, it is possible that it would be worth it for farmers to invest in something like this rather than, say, losing 30% of their herd as many dairymen are expecting to face in the Netherlands, given new laws there. In the end, this is a really cool concept and a neat training win for the people that did it, but until world governments decide to take more steps to incentivize farmers to worry more about global climate change, this will probably not have a major impact. Still, awesome to have a new tool. A group of researchers from Cornell University teamed up with Namibia's Ministry of Environment to find out what happens when you dangle black rhinos upside down. That may seem like a weird experiment at first, but the truth is that is how more and more conservationists are moving the critically endangered species when they need to rehome an individual. In general, the rhino is suspended from a helicopter with a 130-foot chain while being moved, and it is upside down. The problem is that nobody has ever actually done a study to see what effect being dangled upside down could have on a rhinoceros, until now. Interestingly enough, it turns out the rhinos coped very well. In fact, they actually did better health-wise, dangling upside down, than when they were simply lying on their side or chest while being transported. Along with confirming for conservationists that this is, in fact, the best way to transport a rhinoceros, the study also won something called an Ig Nobel Prize, a takeoff of the famed Nobel Prize, which is awarded by science humor magazine Improbable Research and is given for achievements that first make people laugh and then make them think. The idea of studying dangling rhinos definitely fits that category. And speaking of flying animals, although this time they're not upside down and they're not being dangled, there is a new National Lights Out initiative to help migratory birds. Much like we've talked about on here before with sea turtles, bright lighting at night can disorient a bird's natural sense of navigation, drawing the bird towards the light and often causing window collisions. The National Lights Out initiative simply encourages people to turn out their lights at night, especially on the tops of or higher floors of tall buildings. It's honestly amazing the damage that can be done from even just one building. For instance, in one week in 2017, nearly 400 birds were caught in the floodlights of a 32-story Texas skyscraper and killed via window collisions. 400 birds, one week, one building. If you'd like to contribute to the Lights Out movement, please turn off exterior decorative lighting, extinguish pot and floodlights, substitute strobe lighting wherever possible, reduce atrium lighting wherever possible, turn off interior lighting, especially on higher stories, substitute task and area lighting for workers staying late or pull window coverings down, downshield exterior lighting to eliminate horizontal glare and all light directed upward, 
install automatic motion sensors and controls wherever possible, and when converting to new lighting, assess quality and quantity of light needed, avoiding overlighting with newer, brighter technology. And one final suggestion, when you're looking into new cars, try to avoid the ones with the really bright headlights that always seem like they have their high beams on even though they don't. I don't know that this would actually help birds out a lot, but I gotta tell y'all, I've been driving a lot lately. A lot. And some of y'all's headlights, man, they are getting ridiculous. They hurt. I sound like an old whiny person, but uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know, just a thing to think about. Save birds. Save my eyes. Thanks. A new snake species has been discovered in the Dominican Republic for the first time in more than a century. Called the Hispanola vineboa, it has large protruding eyes and a square snout, which made it very easy to recognize as a new species as it looks unlike any other boas in the region. It is also one of the smallest boas ever found. So far, all members of the species that have been discovered were found within one kilometer of each other, which is alarming in the sense that they might be restricted to a very small area and may also have a very small population already. The habitat that they were found in is already threatened by human activity, particularly charcoal burning. That's right, y'all. It is possible that even though we have just discovered the species, it's already endangered or critically endangered. Truly, though, we don't know. The next step is to figure out roughly the range of the species and the size that the snakes reach, and then try to figure out what the actual population numbers look like. It will be exciting to follow this story in the upcoming weeks, months, and years. And last but not least, one of my favorite reptile species is in even more trouble than we previously knew. Komodo dragons were previously considered a vulnerable species, but they have now been reclassified to endangered by the IUCN. Given that Komodo dragons live largely in unprotected areas, the move to endangered could actually be a good thing for their conservation, as governments tend to take more steps to help endangered species than they do with ones that are classified as vulnerable. Which might explain why we have so many dang endangered species, but that's a, that's a conversation for a different day. The IUCN warns that suitable Komodo dragon habitat is expected to shrink by at least 30% in the next 45 years. Factors that are driving the habitat loss include the rising temperatures and sea levels associated with climate change, as well as urbanization and agricultural clearing. Here's hoping that this reclassification helps to create some new initiatives to save this incredible species. And now... In other news... Five zebras broke free from a private farm in Prince George County in Maryland over a week ago and have been roaming neighborhoods south of Upper Marlboro in a search for food. The zebras have completely stymied the animal control officers that are trying to capture them. Early attempts to hunt down the zebras were stymied by the speed of the animals, which were not willing to let any of the humans trying to capture them get even close to them. As such, the Animal Service Department set up a feeding station that has been working to slowly win the confidence of the five zebras. 
The plan is to get the zebras comfortable with the feeding station and then erect panels around it to box them in where they can be tranquilized and returned to the farm. That's right, I said returned to the farm, because these are not actually illegal animals like we usually hear about. Instead, the farm owner, Jerry Holly, is licensed to keep exotic animals and either currently has or has had in the past few years black-handed spider monkeys, dromedaries, mandrels, red kangaroos, brown lemurs, capybaras, and gibbons. Boy, do I have thoughts about all that. But all I'm going to say right now is that I hope the zebras are able to be handled safely and effectively and returned to their herd. Because, oh yeah, uh, along with those other animals, the, the total zebra herd that this guy owns is 39 zebras. 39 zebras at a farm in Maryland. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And now, Animal Holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. And that's my buddy, Taylor Isaac Gray, with some new jingleage for us. And don't worry, it's not the only holiday one he came up with. I love it. So we start off with our reminder that September is Save the Koala Month. So hey, go save a koala this month. Saturday, September 18th, is International Red Panda Day, the most important of all the days. It's also International Coastal Cleanup Day, but like, it's International Red Panda Day, a whole day internationally to celebrate red pandas. Go to your local zoo. Many of them will be doing special activities that help out Red Panda Network, which is an organization that I just adore, as you know. Now, Sunday the 19th launches Sea Otter Awareness Week, which is an entire week in which you can become aware of sea otters. Hopefully, then you don't become unaware of them after that week, as they are adorable. Tuesday, September 21st, is the International Day of Peace. Wednesday, the 22nd, is the Autumnal Equinox, Elephant Appreciation Day, and World Rhino Day. That's another awesome thing that you can check out. Uh, you know, Bowling for Rhinos is this amazing charity that a lot of AAZK chapters do. It's always a lot of fun. You get to go and bowl and uh, do all kinds of cool stuff to learn about rhino conservation and raise money for that amazing cause. I highly, highly recommend seeing if your local zoo is doing a Bowling for Rhinos activity this year. And then Thursday, September 23rd, is my mom's birthday. Now, she's not an endangered species, but as there's only one of her, I guess she is technically an endangered animal. Anyway, love you, Mom. And those are your animal holidays for the week. So there you have it, friends. Another week of Safari Zoo news is in the books. I'd like to say thank you to this week's contributors, Kristen Khalil, Colleen Lenahan, Anya Keen, Danny Poirier-Larsen, and Elizabeth Dunlevy, and also to my Red Panda-level patrons, PJ Bevan and Lara Shank. Remember that you, too, can have the thrill of hearing your name said at the end of my podcast by sending me interesting news stories about animals, zoos, aquariums, conservation, all that good stuff. Just DM me or tag me in them at Ross Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or send them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. 
And until next time, here's your friendly reminder that Newsy Credits Backwards is Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.